Welcome to our study on the book of James. Today we are going to be looking at James chapter 3 as we look at verses 1 through 12. James has already explained to us two characteristics of being a mature Christian, hasn't he? We have seen in James chapter 1 that the mature Christian is patient in testing. And then we just completed James chapter 2. And he shows here that a mature Christian practices the truth. Well, today in our study, we will see the third characteristic of a mature Christian. And that is, is that you have power over your tongue. You know, the tongue is known as the world's smallest but largest troublemaker. In fact, just mention that you're speaking on the tongue and people will immediately think of all the bad aspects of the tongue, don't they? And they immediately go into defense. Well, did you know, ladies, that the power of speech is actually one of the greatest powers that God has given us? You can use your tongue for either good or bad. With the tongue, you can praise God. You can pray. You can teach or even preach the word of God. You can lead a person to Christ. Encourage someone and bring a smile to their face. Oh, what a privilege it is to have a mouth. But that same tongue can also be used for lies, to spread false doctrine and curse God. It can be used to hurt another person or bring tears to their eyes. You know, the tongue can cause division and ruin friendships. How tragic it is. That a person's words that come out of their mouth could actually cause such pain in another person's life. Well, I'm sure that we could all say we have been on the receiving end of both of these illustrations. Oh, we have been blessed through the words of someone else. But we have also been hurt, haven't we? Well, let's begin our study today. And let's turn in our Bibles over to James chapter 3 and let's look at verses 1 through 12. In these verses, James gives us six pictures of the tongue. In verse 3, you'll see he uses it as a bit. In verse 4, it is the rudder. In verse 6, fire. In verse 8, we see deadly poison. In verse 11, we will see it referred to as a fountain. And verse 12 a fig tree. Well, then Warren Wearsby has put these six pictures into three meaningful classifications that reveal the three powers of the tongue. Let's look at that. It shows you have the power to direct, which would be the bit and the rudder in verses 1 to 4. And then you will see the power to destroy in fire and poison In James 3, verses 5 through 8. And then we will see the power to delight in the fountain and the fig tree as we look at verses 9 to 12. So let's begin with the first power of the tongue and read verses 1 through 4. It says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths, and they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large 
and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Problems, ladies, existed in the early days of the church because of false teaching. And that is why James here points out that as teachers of God's word, we are held accountable to speak what the scripture says. And we are held accountable for how we handle the word of God. But then James in verse 2 shows that everyone stumbles in many things. We all have a sin nature within us and we will all stumble. But ladies, one characteristic of a mature Christian is that you control your tongue. Well, the tongue is an area that we really need to work on, right? We really need to watch what we say. Because even though it may be a small part of the body, it can cause a lot of problems. As we see in verse 8, we cannot tame our tongue. It is only through Christ's power that we can fully control our tongue. The person who is able to discipline his tongue gives evidence that he can control his whole body. And why do you think that is? Because most of the time, our words usually leads to deeds, right? What we say usually ends up in action. Well, sometimes that action is just defending ourselves because it was something we said before we were thinking. Well, James gives us two examples in verses 3 and 4 of two items that are small in size, yet very powerful to direct or lead, just like the tongue. Let's look at that. It says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. You know, a bit is a small object that actually controls the entire animal. Likewise, a person who can control his tongue can control his entire being. What is in our heart, ladies, determines our speech content and our attitude. Matthew 12:34 says, "For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks." If there is a genuine faith in the heart, the accompanied works will be both appropriate speech and conduct, right? Well, James further illustrates this relationship of the activity of the tongue to the activity of the entire body through the rudder of a ship. You know, just a slight pressure on that rudder of the ship controls its course. The small rudder enables the pilot to steer that huge ship wherever he wants it to go. Well, both the bit and the rudder must overcome contrary forces, right? The bit must overcome the wild nature of the horse, and the rudder must fight the winds and currents that would drive that ship off its course. But James pointed out that no matter how adverse those circumstances are, if the rudder can be controlled by the pilot, the entire ship can be controlled, right? So the point of the illustration is that if a believer can maintain control of his tongue in adverse circumstances, then he can maintain control over his entire being. As believers, ladies, we are to maintain control. That we need to turn that control over to Jesus Christ, though, right? 
He needs to be in the driver's seat. And we need to surrender our lives over to Christ. When Christ controls the tongue, then we don't need to fear saying the wrong things. You know, David knew all of this too well. And that is why he said in Psalms 141.3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. There's a lot of us that need to say that. To have the Lord putting a guard over our mouths, right? Well, the bit and the rudder have the power to direct, as the tongue does. What we say, ladies, can have an effect on someone else's life. For example, ladies, how many of you know Edward Kimball? Well, in April of 1855, Edward Kimball went into a Boston shoe store and led a young Dwight L. Moody to Christ. And we all know the result of that, don't we? D.L. Moody was one of history's greatest evangelists of his day. A man whose ministry still continues today. And think about that, ladies. The story doesn't end there. Think about all the lives that D.L. Moody touched. One of those lives was F.B. Meyer. And then F.B. Meyer, with his new evangelistic fervor, influenced a gentleman named J. Wilbur Chapman. Well, then Chapman, he helped minister to a converted baseball player, Billy Sunday. See, Billy Sunday was a professional baseball player who turned pastor. In fact, my in-laws both went to Billy Sunday Tabernacle and were saved. Amazing. The impact that a word has, doesn't it? Well, then Billy Sunday had an impact on Mordecai Ham. And Mordecai Ham happened to be holding a revival in North Carolina, which led Billy Graham to Christ. And we all know Billy Graham, right? One of the greatest evangelists. Ladies, all of this started because Edward Kimball used his mouth for good, and he witnessed to a young man at a shoe store. And we can all do this, can't we? Ladies, Never underestimate the power of the tongue and how good words can spread from person to person the same way bad words can be spread from person to person. You know, we can have an influence on people by what we say. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 12.22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are His delight. Oh, and then Proverbs 10.19, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Oh, ladies, we could go on. There's a million of them in Proverbs. Proverbs 17.27 says, He who has knowledge spreads the word. And a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Ladies, James has been pointing out that small things can have a beneficial effect. A small bit can be used to guide a horse. A rudder can affect the course of a large ship. Now, he goes on to show the small things can also be destructive in their effect which leads us to our second power of the tongue 
the power to destroy. Let's look at verses 5 through 8. It says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of inequity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. Well, the two illustrations James uses here are fire and deadly poison. You know, like fire, the tongue can heat things up, right? We have all experienced this. Uh, you know, a hot temper can lead to burning words that later we will regret. Well, Proverbs 14:29 says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. Ladies, fire can be very destructive, just as the tongue can. Fire burns and hurts, and our words can burn and hurt, can't they? Fire spreads, and the more fuel that you give it, the faster and farther it will spread. Well, the same with the tongue. The tongue can spread hurtful gossip, can't it? And the more fuel you give it, the faster it spreads also. Oh, the sad thing is, is that words can break hearts and destroy reputations. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Oh, I liked how Warren Wearsby put it. He said, When you tame an animal, you get a worker instead of a destroyer. When you control fire, you generate power. He also went on to say, If the heart is filled with hatred, Satan will light the fire. But if your heart, ladies, is filled with love, then God will light that fire. The second destructive aspect of the tongue is compared to deadly poison. The tongue, you know, it says is unruly. That is, Restless, uneasy, unstable, always roaming about like James 3, 8 through 10 says. And it is full of deadly poison. You know, the deceptive thing about poison is that it works secretly and slowly and then it kills. Oh, how many times have we seen a person inject just a little bit of gossip, that little bit of poison, into a conversation? with the intent that those words would spread like the wildfire. Our poisonous tongue can do a lot of damage to a person's reputation, to friendships. It can cause division all by a few planted words. You know, mountain climbers have said that there are certain times and places when the vibration from a faint whisper could bring down an avalanche. And whenever the guide detects such sensitivity in the air, he cautions every climber to be silent. Oh, ladies, let us not be guilty of sinning with the tongue. 
an avalanche of sorrow and separation may cause from the faintest whisper of gossip, slander, of lying and jealousy and bitterness. Proverbs 16.27 says, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and his lips there is as a burning fire. Think about it. As verse 9 says, our tongue can actually go in many different directions, right? Depending on who is controlling it. One minute we can be praising God. In the same breath, we can be cursing men. Let's look at that. It says, with it, we bless our God and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Ladies, this now leads us to our third power of the tongue, the power to delight. In this illustration, James uses a fountain and a fig tree. Let's read verses 9 through 12. It says, With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring set forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. You know, the people in Palestine were familiar with the reference to fountains and springs. They were dependent on them for their water supply. In fact, they had towns that were built around springs which provided adequate water. The people to whom James wrote to understood that a spring does not alter between yielding sweet and bitter water. It was either one or the other, but not both. In fact, that was the reason towns were not built around the Dead Sea is because springs in that region were known to yield only brackish water. So in man, though redeemed and regenerated, the tongue is capable of both good and evil, right? Because he retains his fallen nature along with the new nature. In Galatians 5.17, Paul describes the conflict between the old and new natures. It says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. And then when we look at Proverbs 10.11, it says, The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Well, ladies, while man cannot tame his own tongue, he can turn the control of it over to the Holy Spirit, right? When he does this, the Holy Spirit becomes a well of living water in his life as we see in John chapter 7. So when the believer quenches that spirit, that is when the bitterness of his fallen nature expresses itself. Well, the other illustration that James uses here is the fig tree in verse 12. You know, in Bible lands, the trees are vitally important to the economy. They helped to hold down the soil. They provided beauty and shade. And they bore fruit. But the most important thing about a tree is its root system. If the roots, ladies, do not go down deep, 
then the tree will not grow in a healthy manner, right? Well, ladies, if we are rooted in the things of the Lord, then our words will be the fruit of our fellowship with Him. Our words can help as we share God's word to encourage and feed a soul, which we can bring delight to people. If we're going to have tongues that delight, then we must meet with the Lord each day and learn from Him, right? We must get our spiritual roots deep into His Word. We must pray and meditate and permit the Holy Spirit of God to fill our hearts with God's love and His truth. Just as it is not the nature of the fig tree to bear olives, nor the vine to bear figs, Ladies, it is not the nature of the regenerate spirit to speak evil. So whichever nature man allows to dominate his life, whether it be the old or the new nature, will determine what his speech will be. This is why, ladies, it is so important to be filled with the Spirit continually, as it says in Ephesians 5.18. As we fill our hearts with God's Word and yield to the Holy Spirit, He can use us to bring delight to others and we will be refreshing fountains and trees. You know, there was once these two men who were in a health care center and, you know, they were both bedridden with illnesses and all they had was each other to communicate with. The one man's bed happened to be by the window and so he decided one day out of the kindness of his heart to share with the other man what he saw. Oh, how he would describe it. You know, the sun was shining down on this beautiful grassy area where the flowers were blooming and the animals were roaming. Well, oh, ladies, this really blessed the other man. Just as he laid there and he pictured in his mind, it brought a smile to his face. So each day, as the nurses came in, they would open up the curtains to let the light in. And this gentleman would begin to proceed to tell his friend what was going on outside. And he'd describe it, and his friend would just listen with great anticipation. Well, one day, the man by the window had some complications in the night, and he passed away. Oh, this was just heartbreaking to his friend. And as he recalled all their times together... He was thinking about his friend the next morning when the nurse came in to open up that window to let the light in. And he asked her, Could you move my bed by the window? As she opened the curtains to let the light in, he waited with anticipation to be able to look at this view that his friend told him that lifted his spirit so much each day. But to his surprise, the only thing on the other side of that window Oh, ladies, was a big brick wall. You see, his friend just wanted to encourage and lift his spirits up. And so he made up visions of grassy areas with flowers and sunshine just to bring a smile to his friend's face. What sacrificial love that man had. Yes, ladies, the smallest but largest troublemaker in the world is the tongue. But it doesn't have to be a troublemaker. God can use our tongues to direct people to the Lord, to edify instead of destroy, and to bring delight to someone's life. It is a matter of the heart. Is the heart filled 
with Christ's love, then Christ's love will radiate out of that person's life. The tongue is a little member, but oh, ladies, it has great power. Give God your tongue and your heart each day and ask Him to use you to be a blessing to others as this elderly man was to his friend. I have enjoyed studying God's Word with you today and I look forward to being with you again as we continue our study on the book of James. Until then, God bless.